Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I speak to Piera Hudson, professional alpine skier from New Zealand. Piera started skiing when she was four, racing when she was eight and is currently recovering from tearing her ACL at the start of this year. In this episode, we discussed how she deals with the mental side of injury, how she gained confidence from having to learn to walk again, depending her full weight onto her knee when competing, whether a professional skier actually gets to enjoy skiing, how she combats spending so much time in the cold, the reality of living winters back to back, and much more. Thanks for listening and do follow along the podcast to keep up to date with new releases and do leave us a review if you've enjoyed this episode as well. Yara, hi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. First question, probably quite broad. When did you start skiing? <laughs> I started skiing when I was four um, and then I started racing when I was eight. But um, my parents, my mum grew up in the South Island, but I I was raised in the North Island. And so my parents always wanted my brother and I to see the Southern Alps in New Zealand and get into skiing. And so we were really lucky enough to go uh, to the mountains during the winter holidays when we were kids. And we both, my brother and I, just got really into skiing from a young age. So does your brother also race then? No, he was a ski instructor for many years. Um, He went to Japan and Canada um, and all sorts of places. And then when COVID hit, he had to move back to New Zealand and sort of get a big boy job, um, go back to reality, which I'm still very much avoiding. (laughs) I love that. So a proper skiing family then, I guess. And how does the skiing in New Zealand differ to the skiing in Europe? I've never skied in New Zealand. I don't know what it's like. Tell me the differences. Oh, I mean, there's so many. Like, firstly, there's no tree skiing in New Zealand. Um, everything is sort of either above tree line or there's just no trees around. Um, so it's not going to look anything like Europe or Canada or North America. Um, secondly, you don't live up on the mountains. You live like down lower by the lakes or even the ocean and you drive up majority of the time gravel roads up the mountains. Um, I think there's like two mountains in New Zealand that actually have a tar sealed road and the rest are gravel. <laughs> so quite hardcore then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> still still very much rustic in some ways, um, which is kind of fun. But yeah, it's home. I love it. I love skiing in New Zealand. I love skiing um, in Europe and Japan and all places. Every, everywhere has their own unique quirks and pros and cons. So now you're based in Europe. What was the journey to leaving your home and your family in New Zealand and moving over? And why did you do it? What's the racing scene like? Yeah, um, I've been coming to Europe since I was eight years old. Um, when I first got into ski racing, I have been doing back-to-back winters since then. Um, and I'm 27 now, so I don't actually want to know how many winters in a row that is. Um, but to be competitive in ski racing, you just have to. Obviously, in Europe and not the Northern Hemisphere, uh, that's the World Cup season. That's when World Cup circuit on, is on, the World Champs are on, the Olympics are on. Um, and so this is sort of the main season and the New Zealand winter is more uh, off-season summer training. Um, so, yeah, I'm lucky enough to come here every year, but it's you have to, to be in the sport. 
So I was going to actually ask you, what does a ski racer do in summer? And if you say you do back-to-back winters, does that literally mean that you're chasing winter all year round? Yes, exactly. Yeah, which sounds so balmy to a lot of people because, like, quite frankly, like, who wants to be cold all the time? Um, But I kind of think of it as that's just one small con to the job and the sport that I love. Um, Every job has the worst parts of it and if being cold or maybe getting injured is probably the worst part um then yeah it's not so bad we try to stay warm <laughs> so where what does your average year look like then where do you start it and each month is there a pattern you go through yeah so the world cup season in europe starts in october um and that runs through until about March um, and then often we're skiing into April um, finishing off the season with training or chasing uh, fist points for our world rankings or testing equipment for the next season Um, and then I usually take about a month off after a season just to sort of decompress unwind and then straight back into off-season training which is just gym every day most of the time twice a day um and then the New Zealand winter starts around July maybe a little bit earlier but I don't start until after the school holidays so that runs until September and then you're back overseas in October again so that's basically the year in a full circle that is legit like winter and winter that's epic (laughs) yeah you mentioned there about your gym workouts what are the key exercises that you incorporate into your training for being a skier? Um, I think with skiing, you have to be quite an all-round athlete. It's not just weight training or interval training. Um, You've got to balance a lot of those different styles of workouts um, to be an all-round great skier. So a lot of anaerobic, aerobic, yeah, like I said, weight training, um, sort of functional training. For me this year, it looked very different, my program. Um, I had a pretty big injury in January and then spent the next nine months rehabbing that so I could get back on skis. So I had to almost go slow to go fast, uh, which looked a lot different to my usual training. Yeah, it's so difficult, isn't it? I've spoken to various athletes on this podcast about the mental part of injury because obviously you're recovering physically but mentally it's so much to go through to actually as you say go slow to go fast exactly and for me this was almost the biggest well it was the biggest um injury of my career like in the past I've fractured bones or you know had minor knee injuries here and there but I've never had anything that's been quite so like season ending in a way that will take you out for more than like 10 weeks on crutches um this was for me yeah nine months straight of rehab um two surgeries in my knee and learning to obviously like walk again get your gait back and then build it from there and at that point in in the first stages of the rehab you're kind of thinking how am I going to get back to skiing how am I going to get back to pushing the amount of weight that I need to or resisting against the amount of g-forces or just having this knee being able to make the turns that I need it to once I'm back on snow when I can't even do a squat down to 90 degrees or I can't even walk without hobbling kind of thing so yeah it is a big mental battle but you just have to take it day by day 
It's kind of not a hot take, um, but sometimes you need to just keep telling yourself that because it's easy to get lost in the injury. So what actually happened? What was this big injury? Did it happen during a race? Uh, for me, it was in training, actually. Um, I So I fully ruptured my ACL and my right knee, um, and it happened sort of a couple of days before what is... N- kind of my home mountain now um or like it was going to be my home world cup and then I also had world champs in a few weeks um in France and so it happened right before those two events um which was hard because then the next couple of days I literally watched the world cup from my bedroom window in bed with my knee in the brace thinking like oh that should be me obviously um but yeah I was able to have surgery um, in Innsbruck, Austria, a couple of days after the accident and just got straight back into rehab and spent a month straight at a really great clinic um, of just at least five hours of rehab every day. So that was great to kickstart it. They talk about sport being so cruel and there are some times when it's like you are literally sitting watching the competition you should be in from your bedroom window while you've just gone through this massive injury and it's so cruel like it's so right there's no other word to describe it is there no exactly and you can sit there and you can think oh why me and you can throw this pity party but at the end of the day injuries are just a part of the sport we all know that as athletes it's what we sign up for um and sometimes it can feel like the cruelest timing like it was for me but I think once you come out the other end and you've got a lot of time to sort of reflect on it um, and think about sort of what's happened in the last nine months, it almost, I wouldn't go as far as to say a blessing in disguise, but sometimes it can be almost the, the jolt and the push that you needed to change things up and to reassess like what you were doing and how you can be better in things. Exactly. That's a very mature outlook on it. And I can tell that you've reflected back on it because I imagine at the time you're just like, oh man, this is the worst thing. So I want to ask you about the the rehab because you're saying you were trying to learn to walk again and you were trying to squat again. And skiing is so intense on your knees, like the weight of it, the impact that it has. How did you get the confidence back to like, race in such an intense way after injuring your knee so badly yeah so I mean right now I'm um very much taking things slow I haven't got back into racing yet I'm still very much just in this like as cliche as it sounds trust the process sort of training um regime um but I have officially gotten back into gates um so gate training so yeah it's exciting um and one of the things for me the biggest learning thing for me is just having the patience um right now to trust that process and take things step by step um because I know it will be all worth it and It is like hard to sort of see the racing season kick off without you and everybody's getting some great results and it's really awesome to see for them. Um, But I know that, yeah, it'll be worth it once I am back in that start gate. Exactly. It's just timing, isn't it? But as we said before, it's cruel and it's painful, but it's part of the sport, I guess. Um, So can you tell me a bit about the type of racing that you do? 
So my disciplines are the technical disciplines in ski racing. So I do giant slalom, slalom, and parallel slalom. Um, so yeah, all tech, none of the um, speed ones, which are super G and downhill. Um, so for me, that means the turns are tighter, shorter. Um, it's more sort of agility based. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just all the technical ones. That sounds epic, but I imagine the lactic acid burn in your thighs must be unreal. How long are the races? Uh, they kind of vary between 50 seconds and sort of one minute 15. Um, a slalom race is usually just under a minute and a giant slalom race is usually just over a minute. Um, sometimes you can go up to a minute 20, which is pretty rough on the legs. Um, and yeah, sometimes it can be shorter, which is always a nice, but yeah, it, it depends on the hill. It depends where you are. And how does the scoring system work? Is it based on, like, cause obviously you're not racing people. So I assume it's on technique and are there different heats and how many of these would you do in a day? So for ski racing, it's all time-based. Um, so as soon as you kick out of the start gate, you open a wand and your time starts, obviously. And then as soon as you cross the finish line, there's a laser um, and that's when your time finishes. So in GS and Slalom, you get two runs and it's your combined time. That is your like overall placing for the race. Um, parallel Slalom is a little different because you are dueling with someone else it's also called dual slalom so you've got someone right next to you and then depending if you finish in front of them or they finish in front of you the first round you then switch courses and you might start like 0.3 ahead if you won the first run by 0.3 for instance um so yeah that's quite exciting for like the crowd because a lot can happen in a short amount of time when people are racing very very close to each other it's exciting Parallel slalom sounds incredible to watch. Is it safe to like be doing that so close together or are there ever any collisions? Uh, there's definitely collisions, but I think at the end of the day, like ski racing is an extreme sport. Um, there's going to be a risk factor in any discipline you do. Um, no matter how fast we're going, we still have four knives strapped to our feet um so yeah it can be dangerous there are collisions um there hasn't been anything too bad from what I've seen in the last few years but it's just a risk that you take when you step into that stargate yeah for sure and do you actually get to enjoy skiing recreationally like go out and you know cruise down some reds and sit on the chairlift and have a hot chocolate or whatever? Do you get to enjoy the sport of skiing outside of competition? If you'd asked me that a year ago, I would have had a totally different answer um, before my injury. And I think that's because doing back-to-back -back winters for so many years, I, without even realizing it, I probably started to take skiing for granted because for me, it was just always there. It was my job. You know, people would be like, oh, do you go skiing much on your day off? And I'd be like, well, do you go to your job on your day off? And, but since having to go through this injury and this long, like comeback process, I've kind of fallen in love with skiing again, which I just never thought I would hear myself out of those words. It sounds far too corny, but I really have just found a lot of um, 
sort of yeah gratefulness and and being back skiing and just free skiing and enjoying being out there on the mountain um whether I'm like with friends or free skiing with my coach whoever it is even by myself like it sounds lonely but to go for a ski by yourself with some headphones in is really really nice for the soul (laughs) absolutely and I guess it's interesting because as people would say like oh my goodness back-to-back winter is amazing but is there ever a point when you're like I just wish I wasn't looking at snow I am so over this because sport takes so much sacrifice and so much of you needs to go into it how do you avoid that burnout um I mean I've got like an amazing family who have always supported me from from day dot um so I can't thank them enough and then the friends that I have outside of skiing are just so amazing as well it's it's you know they're so they're so supportive and they ask me how it's going and everything but then when I get home it's almost like I can just switch off from skiing and talk about other things that aren't you're not in this little like ski racing bubble um so yeah I've just got amazing friends back in New Zealand um and my second home in Dubai and yeah you 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 avoid it that ways so home home is New Zealand for you and then you spend a lot of time in Europe. You've said you spend time in Dubai as well. It sounds quite unsettling to like build up a community, build a home, settle in to life when you're moving about so much. So how do you manage that and not feel like you're constantly just living at hotels and don't actually feel like you can relax into your home comforts? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's almost all I've ever known. I've been doing this since I was a child. And so I'm so used to almost living out of the suitcase um, and booking a flight the night before where you have to change plans on a whim. And, you know, things are just constantly changing and evolving around you and you just kind of have to roll with the punches. Um I do have like a base apartment while I'm here in Europe. Otherwise, I would just be like living, like you said, in hotels out of my car, which I have done in past seasons. And that was just not fun at all. I think if you don't have even a temporary place to call home for a few months, it can get very rough. And you do just feel like you're constantly on the move and you can't just decompress or take a second to just settle yourself. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend on being on the move for 6 months while competing at a top level. It's it's definitely nice to have a base to come home to. Yeah, for sure. And what does the average training week look like for a professional skier? So as like you're doing an outside sport, obviously it's very weather dependent. So you might start the week with a plan and think, okay, we're going to do 4 days on snow, 2 days off, something like that, maybe 3 on, 1 off. But things are constantly changing. Um, So, again, we do just have to sort of roll with the punches. Today I was supposed to be training giant slalom this morning and it just wouldn't stop dumping with snow all last night and this morning. And for me, I don't need to, like, risk going up and training in those kind of conditions when the light's really bad and the snow's super heavy just with my knee at the moment. So we decided to just switch it up and spend the day in the gym um, doing, like, a big leg session And then tomorrow, hopefully, I think it's going to clear. So we'll get back into it. Um, So, yeah, we're kind of just taking it day by day at the moment. But in a usual week, you would try to ski sort of three to four days, depending if you're going to be racing at that end of the week or not, or if it's just a training week. And with the ski days, are you up literally like going up 
practicing going down, going up, back down, up, back down? What's the kind of training that you do on the slope? Yeah, so for me, um, at the moment, it's a lot of like drill work. It's a lot of we're just building a lot of um, basics back with my technique. But in a normal training session, the coaches, they set the course while we do our warm up. Um, there's kind of multiple warm-ups we do as ski racers. Well, speaking for myself, um, I do one at home when I wake up. So before I even leave the apartment, I'm kind of just doing some mobility, some foam rolling, some massage gun, all that kind of stuff. Then once we get to the mountain, um, it's a like another off-skis warm-up. So I'm kind of running through some, just getting the blood flowing, doing some balance, some sort of jumps, some stabilization, that kind of thing. And then once you're on skis, it's just a lot of like, again, getting the blood through the legs, some leg swings, um, getting everything limbered up so that once you hit skis, everything's firing everything's ready to go you don't feel stiff that first round you don't feel like you're still waking up or you're still like coming to grips with the day um so while we're doing all that the coaches are getting the courses ready and then after a few warm-up runs we get back into the gates and depending on the day you kind of aim for six to eight training runs in a course nice that's so interesting. I've never really like properly thought about it before, but it must be, yeah, just like the warm up is so crucial. It's like running, isn't it? But with more consequence. Yeah. I mean, you've got to warm up almost every single body part because obviously it's very lower body based, like all the muscles in the legs, the glutes, everything, but you've got to have your core switched on. Um, if you want to get those good starts, you got to get the shoulders like moving. So almost every single thing has to be firing every day. Um, and that's why we have to spend so much time sort of doing recovery in the afternoons and the evening and making sure that we're still in one piece every day. Talking about the starts, you're in that start gate. What is your mind thinking? How do you get yourself into the zone and focused? I think it's different for everybody. So I can only speak for myself because I see some of my friends and, you know, some of them listen to music before racing. Some of them are joking around, having a good time. Some of them, they're just like, don't talk to me. Like I have to get into my zone. Like I got to switch out the whole, the whole world kind of thing. Yeah. I kind of, I'm, I'm hanging out with my friends a little bit, but then once I get to the start area, that's when I'm kind of like, okay, what do I need to focus on technically? tactically what am I working on what have I been talking with my coach the night before at video analysis um and that starts to all sort of run through your head but you also in skiing either on a training day or a racing day you get what's called an inspection so you go through the course kind of side slipping um you might do a few turns on a training day through the course and you kind of just figure out the rhythm um, if there's any blind rolls that you can't see over, you, you've got to know where those gates are so you don't just like go over the roll straight into a gate. So you're doing a lot of visualization um, in the gate as well and just making sure that not only is your body ready, but your mind's kind of like in the game as well. And I want to ask you about keeping warm because I feel like a lot of women in particular really struggle to keep their core temperature high enough and they get quite cold. And you literally chase winter. How do you deal with yeah. keeping warm enough? And especially if you're waiting about throughout the race day, what, do you, what are your tips? Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. I've got a great clothing um, 
sponsor one more clothing it's an italian brand and so my uniform is super warm um so i'm really grateful for that but it does sometimes get to minus 20 or even colder on a race day um so we try to spend as much time sort of in the resorts restaurant like either up above or down below the race course and only go out when you like really need to if it's that cold um but you are constantly moving around um and then in between runs your coaches are taking your jackets and your pants for you so as soon as we sort of finish a training run we're handed back all our clothes to put back on over our race suit so we're not just going up like full race suit up on the chairlift or the gondola um so we can kind of warm back up again but yeah it's a winter sport you're gonna get cold um there's not a lot you can do about it sometimes even though we try (laughs) is there any like cold exposure training that you do like cold showering or cold plunging or any of that sort of thing I mean I personally love to do like cold plunges um I've got a couple of friends on the world cup tour that love it as well um and so if we can find like a river or a lake that hasn't frozen over nearby to like the destination that we're racing at we'll kind of go in for like 15 minutes or so um mainly just for our legs it kind of helps to like freshen up and then we might do like a quick dip fully submersed um but I also love a sauna. So if I can find an infrared sauna anywhere I am, like, you know that I'm in it straight away. <laughs> that is actually crazy. You're like, oh, yeah, if we find some water that's not frozen over, we'll just hop in for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you just, it's when in Rome, you know, like all the, the Scandinavians, everyone up north, they thrive on that. They've been doing that their whole life. And so you just have to immerse yourself into that culture and be like, okay, it's got to be good for you because they live to a ripe old age, I'm pretty sure. So it's got to help. <laughs> well, actually, the cold water and then the sauna, like it is so good for your health scientifically, but it's just so painful. It is. Yeah. And it just comes back to the whole like pain is temporary thing, um, which you just have to if you're competing at any high level sport like you know that sometimes you do do just have to tell yourself that every day during training or racing like you're always going to be sort of hurting or niggling in some point in your body um but it's all temporary exactly pain is temporary unless you're sitting for 15 minutes in a frozen river that doesn't feel temporary (laughs) (laughs) so where is your favorite place to ski Oh my god, I always dread this question because I can never think of like a really great answer. And obviously I want to say like at home in New Zealand, I love it. I grew up in those mountains. Um I do love skiing back in New Zealand, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the best skiing in the world. Um I think if I could say an overall skiing experience for me, my favorite would be Japan just because The snow is so great. The people are lovely. The culture is just unmatched. Obviously, the food is really great. Like, I just love any time I've been there in the past. It's the overall experience of being able to ski in Japan is just, there's nothing else that compares like it. Um, I just love it there. I was talking to my friend who skied in Japan a few years ago, and she was out with someone she knew. There was, like, a group of them. 
and they were off-piste and then somehow they got disorientated and it resulted in them having to dig a snow hole for them to sleep in that night. And ever since then, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Safely say that's never happened to me. I was... <laughs> that's honestly crazy. No, I was staying in a lovely hotel with a nice little Japanese onsen and, you know, immersing myself in the beautiful culture that they have there. I can't say I've ever had to dig myself a hole to sleep in. But, um, yeah, when in Rome. <laughs> so tell me about the community of your ski team how does that work like the dynamic obviously your teammates but you are also competing against each other so how do you handle the friendships versus competitiveness yeah I mean I think like as a whole the ski community is is really great and especially like I can only speak for the women's side but you look at any women's world cup and everybody's cheering for everybody in the finish you know like we all want each other to do well um I can't speak for sort of the bigger teams because I've never coming from New Zealand we don't have a massive ski racing community um so it's right now it's just me and and one other girl on World Cup and we do mainly different disciplines, so we don't get to race with each other too often. But when I look at some of the um, big teams from the powerhouse nations in Europe and North America, like a lot of the times I do see the the teammates and they are like rooting for each other and, and wanting the best. Um, I can only see it from the outside. Who knows what goes on on the inside? But um, yeah, I mean, the last thing you want is for somebody to have a shitty day or get injured or anything like we're all out there for ourselves but I think for each other to a certain extent can it be quite lonely given that it's quite individual at times I think um for me COVID was the loneliest sort of period because it was very much like train go back home race go back home like it was just there you couldn't even meet up with your friends from other nations and hang out because you just couldn't risk getting a positive test. Otherwise, you were out of the tour for two weeks. Um, so those sort of COVID seasons were pretty rough. Um, but for me, like now it is and it isn't like. I'm here to do a job and so not every day is going to be like a super fun activity with my friends but when I do have days off I make sure to meet up with friends either skiing friends or non-skiing friends that I have here in Europe and just try and do something that takes your mind away from training or competing um, even just for, for a few hours. And have there been throughout the years that you've competed like any significant moments that have just like been like a breakthrough or you look back and you're like wow that literally changed my entire career and it was a really significant moment to me um for me probably one of those moments happened when I was quite young um I got to a point when I was probably around 13 14 and I wasn't enjoying my training I wasn't enjoying being away for so long the coach I was with at the time we were just kind of butting heads and all my friends you know you're at that age where you're like a teenager now and all your friends are starting to do things that you feel like you're really missing out on and I was kind of like what am I doing here and I went out on a whim and applied for a scholarship at a school in America that is like a ski academy um and 
I was really lucky enough to get that scholarship. So I moved to America when I was about 14 or 15, I think, and spent two years at that school. And for me, that was the best thing that I could have done for my career because I think without that move, I probably would have quit. And I think it was also a great way for me to sort of give myself a culture shock, open myself to like a new world where you're going to the school where you're training and competing in the mornings and then you're going to actual classes from like midday till 5pm and then you're in the gym till 7 and then you eat homework, go to bed, start that whole like routine again. So it was very much like a learning curve for me for like discipline and competing against these older girls who were at the school and so yeah I think I grew a lot in that time before then I finally returned back to Europe um, to go full-time with skiing again. That's incredible that you say I applied on a whim and it probably is the reason that I'm actually a professional skier now. Like you must look back and you're like I'm so glad I applied. Yeah for sure I mean you just kind of never know what's going to happen and I think sort of a lot of my mentors in life are kind of you know the worst someone can say to you is no or just go blindly with confidence um, and no one will question you and sometimes those like life paths can just change without you even realizing it um, so for me that one did work out for the better. With being a skier it's so like heavily impacting like there's such high impact on your joints how long can you actually keep competing for like with the longevity of your muscles and your joints? Um, I mean, there's like still very much competitive ski races on the World Cup circuit well into their late 30s, um, both on the men's and the women's side. Um, so I think it's it's different for everyone, obviously. It depends how many sort of injuries you go through um, or maybe what you're predisposed to. Um, but yeah, I think like, unfortunately, a lot of people do have to quit because of injuries. I've had friends who have now done ACLs four times or have broken their back or have broken tib-fibs multiple times. Um, and every time you do that, it obviously can knock your confidence. Um, it can take months and years to come back from. Um, so... Yeah, I think if you can make it right until the end of your career where you decide you want to retire and you're not forced into that option, it's it's a real privilege. So we're looking ahead. It's nearly 2024. What would you love to achieve next year? So for me, like this coming season is very much like a comeback season. Obviously, I want to get back onto the World Cup circuit, um, but I'm not going to do that until I'm fully, fully confident in my knee and my abilities on skis and just to perform. Um, the next two seasons after this one are super exciting. We have the 2025 World Champs and then obviously the 2026 Olympics in Cortina Milan, um, which is kind of right in my backyard at the moment. It's, I'm about 25 minutes or so away from from the Olympic pieces, um, which is really cool. But um, so, yeah, it kind of gives a little bit of motivation knowing that what I'm doing right now, even though it might be painstakingly boring or slow or however I want to spin it, um, it is going to be worth it for when those 2026 games roll around. Exactly. And I think it's so important to have the bigger picture of 
this is really painful now, I have to work through it. It is the building blocks, as you said before. And you can literally apply that to every element of life. Do you know, nothing really happens overnight. And you do you just need to keep at it, keep building the small parts up and look to your big goal. Exactly. And sometimes it might feel like you're not making any like moves or getting any further or anything, but then you look back and you do some reflection and you're kind of like, okay, I just achieved or I'm doing right now what me a year ago or five years ago would have dreamed that we were doing or was capable of. Um, And for me, like that's taken a long time to sort of build into my brain because I've always struggled a lot with self-belief or imposter syndrome um, when it comes to racing. Anything else in life, I have too much confidence. But the one thing that I'm supposed to do, I've always struggled with my confidence, especially just being injured the last like three seasons. I haven't been able to finish a season without sort of a major injury. Um, And so that has taken its toll on my confidence. And that's why we are spending this time to really just take it slow so that we can go fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, that's super interesting. And like the mindset part of it is so important as well. Oh, it's yeah, it's hugely important. And I don't think we it's almost talked enough sometimes. I think there can be kind of a stigma um, for athletes to talk if they are struggling. Um, and I know that, yeah, when it comes to extreme sports, you know, it's not just like um, I'm not trying to take away from other sports or anything, but you do end up risking your body and risking so much more when when you – go out and compete in that sport so it's kind of plays this whole other trick on your mental game you'll kind of have to step back and say is it all worth it am I am I really willing to put my body and to put everything on the line here um for this game and if you're not then you may as well go home because you're not going to be able to compete at the top level it's so true so true so if people want to follow you online and keep up to date with your racing and your progress back from injury as well where where should they go i'm probably posting mostly on instagram um my instagram is just pira hudson so p-i-e-r-a and then hudson h-u-d-s-o-n um and yeah every i'm trying to post on there as much as i can um it's been really cool to have people come along and follow this sort of little injury journey come back setback journey as cheesy as it is um but yeah find me on there amazing yeah what an amazing journey to follow as well because it's also about being real in sport as well not just showing all the highlights but showing the journey that you're going through and that's what people relate to as well yeah definitely I think whether it's sports or like any other job everybody has their struggles um and there's going to be pros and cons and there's going to be great days and there's going to be really shitty days um no matter what you're doing that day so yeah you just have to roll with the bad and make the most of the good when it's great exactly and i will link your instagram in the show notes so do check that out as well and thank you so much for coming on piera it's been so great to chat to you all about the sport of skiing, following winter, I actually love that, although you do get cold a lot, I imagine, as well, as we've discussed, and also your your path back from injury as well, and thank you for being so open about it. Yeah, no, thank you so much, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. 